Hey bosses, this week's sponsor is FreshBooks, the easy-to-use cloud accounting software. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash invest and enter invest like a boss in the how did you hear about us section. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 67 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. Here is Sam Marks. Hey Johnny, hey guys. This week we have a new episode. We're going to be talking about the black gold, that is striking oil. You know what's really crazy is I never thought in a million years we would be able to invest in oil. I always assumed it was for these tycoons driving Cadillacs with these big hats in Texas and that people like you and I would never be able to invest in this. Well, it always was, right? It always was for these tycoons and it always was for these insiders that had access to these types of investments. But like so many things, all these different crowdfunding platforms are emerging, technologies bringing is democratizing all these types of, of investments. And now here we are about to get on a call with Casey Minshew, who's one of the partners at Energy Funders. And we're going to talk about how everyday investors like you and I can invest in all types of oil projects. Yeah. And what's really going to be exciting is that not only are we going to be able to, to invest in like literally oil. I mean, I mean, I, w- I want people to just kind of think of the scope of this where you guys see those giant you know, oil rigs, oil mines. This is what we're actually talking about in a way where we can invest as low as $5,000 into something that can potentially have a huge upside. Obviously, it's going to have a huge risk factor as well, which I'm sure you guys are going to get into. But I think it's cool that it's that this is like an alternative investment that we, I, we just don't really think about. You know, we think about real estate, stocks, bonds, things like this. This is one of those categories where we're like, okay, you know, if, if, if it's, if it makes money, why can't we invest in it? Yeah. Everyone think grew up, especially our generation, thinking of a way to get rich and you would actually think striking oil. You, everyone's probably got a picture in their head, maybe a cartoon when they're growing up or a poster they saw of someone holding a pick fork and psh, there goes the oil shooting straight up. And I think it's really cool that like right now, oil is not a sexy topic, right? It's I know the price of oil is super low. Everyone's talking about these alternative energy sources, but there's still billions and billions and trillions and trillions, I think trillions of dollars in oil. And one of the cool things that we're going to talk about on this episode is what what is an oil project? What are the different types of oil investments that you can make? What are the different types of drilling projects? And I'm pumped up to hear a little bit about the history of oil when oil was discovered and how people started getting rich on it. Yeah, I think it's super interesting. And also the fact that it's low right now and it's not sexy and it's not exciting because it's not that market high. I wonder if investing in oil now would be similar to investing in, let's say, real estate or stocks or even Bitcoin when it was low and there wasn't very much interest in it. And you know, later down down the road, if it does hit us like a, a rocket high, that's when people get excited about it again. Yeah, and I'm interested to get Casey's opinion because Casey is a really is a, a a broad scope entrepreneur. Has done a lot of technology projects in the past, and I think that's where he's really putting his skills uh, into play with this new project because this is going to be a big crowdfunding element. But he also has 
an energy background as we're going to definitely dive into. So it'll be cool to get his opinion on where energy is now, specifically oil and where it's going to go in the future. Yeah. And just as a sneak peek to everybody, listen to this. These uh, first initial projects are going to be for accredited investors only, but uh, I, I know Casey's going to mention that there are going to be some new projects on uh, energy funders that are going to be open to, to everybody. And I like that it's called energy funders and not just oil and gas well funders because he's going to be talking about the future of energy as well uh, and not just with oil and gas. Yeah, I'm excited. I got lots of questions and I can't wait to get Casey on. Let's do it. Here's Casey. Hey, bosses. If you're a freelancer or a small business owner, you need to check out FreshBooks cloud accounting software. I've used them personally and love how easy it was to set up both reoccurring expenses and invoices that automatically send out so you can get paid on time without wasting your time. So what does that actually mean? That means that if you're like me and you hate going in every single month to fill out spreadsheets or submit expenses and you just often forget about it and have to deal with a huge mess down the road, you can just do it once and have it all set up automatically. Even better, you can do the same for sending out invoices to get paid on time without even thinking about it. To help you get started, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash invest and enter invest like a boss in the how did you hear about us section. Guys, welcome back. Casey, welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. Sam, thanks so much. I'm very excited to be here and, and share our story. And thanks for all your listeners for being here. Absolutely. Well, we're really excited. This is continues to be a hot topic. All types of things that are going to intertwine in here with technology, energy, startups, crowdfunding, all types of different cool stuff. Uh, so I know everyone's really looking forward to this highly anticipated episode. And maybe we can just kick it off with a little bit on you know how you got involved with energy funders and what you were doing before this all started. Yeah, you know, so Sam, I've uh, spent many, many years. I'd say almost seventeen years in the uh, in the in the in the venture of being an entrepreneur. And the last three companies that we started and grew, I I always felt like I was on the end of the timing. One one was in the mortgage side. Another part we got into video, and you know we started to grow these things and we had some success. But it was bigger capital, timing the market, and everything really just kind of squeezed us out. And so, mm -hmm. back in 2013, I started doing some basic reading. I was doing a, I'm a part of a group called the Funding Post here in the United States, and Joe Rubin and I put on events in Texas that you know entrepreneurs can come, listen to panelists talk on the panel, and you know it gives them an idea of what you know you know the basics of raising capital and what you need, and then we have a good little networking. Well. I had a gentleman, uh, it would have been early 2012, thir late 2012, early 13, that got up and started talking about crowdfunding. And I was like, holy cow. I mean, we just had raised $6 million two years before from going to investor to investor to pitch to pitch to VC to VC. And it was, it took all of our time. It was mm -hmm. exhausting. And then this guy's talking about how people are raising money online in like 48 hours. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I've got to find out how this works. And the more I did the investigation, I went to a, a seminar and I went to KickerCon. I went to all these things. What I realized was this is a very sophisticated product. It's it's not it's not donative crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. um, we're talking about equity crowdfunding. These are securities. This is serious stuff. And the more I started interviewing people and learning about it in thirteen, I started to realize that you know a lot of people are just pure entrepreneurs, but what they lacked was the 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 legal president, you know, that background, that understanding of that, you know, truly you have to be careful what you say. These are high risk investments. Um, there are risk. 
you know, even though that these are um, in, online investments, you know, we we at Energy Funders today, we solely focus on equity on, on accredited investors. We're rolling out some non-accredited stuff, but we take that very seriously. So I met a gentleman by the name of Philip Rackison who had started this company. He's our CEO. He's our co-founder. And I was completely enamored with the idea of doing it in oil and gas. Mm. Um, I know how difficult I mean, I'm in Houston, Texas. I know how difficult it is to raise money for oil and gas, but better yet, not just raise money. It's really to find good deals. See, I'm an investor and I like to invest in things. And the oil and gas business has typically been somewhat put off as a little bit shady or shysters. Or if you don't know the right person, you're probably working with a promoter and these promoters overcharge for everything. And when Philip shared with me his vision that, look, let's bring a product to the table where investors get a square deal. And we 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 benefit when the wells produce and they succeed, opposed to as taking a fee on the front end, which there's nothing wrong with fees. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But you can be you can be overfeed to death. And the oil business has traditionally been known for that. And so that started my venture with them in uh, in 2014. And I haven't looked back, Sam. It's been pretty phenomenal. So that's about going on three, about three years for you guys now. That's incredible. And man, I'm dying to know a little bit just about the history of oil. Like, do you know when oil was originally first drilled or when it was first discovered, when it was made consumable? I, I don't know any of the background about oil. Do you, is there anything that is uh, that would be worth sharing with the listeners? Yeah. So think about it. John D. Rockefeller, right? I mean, he, I mean, that's standard oil. It goes all the way back to those days. I mean, and there were people drilling before then, but really that was when the oil business took off and they mm. were drilling these things up in the north. And, you know, Rockefeller, you know, d became a billionaire. Um, and then following behind that, there's been, you know, tremendous amount of uh, wildcatters is what we call them. And so the, the theme around the oil business has always been this picture in your mind of guys going out with sticks and trying to like basically find the oil and things right. like that. Now, of course, today technology has made it so much more advanced. Uh, but believe it or not, Sam, there are still people out there trying to find it with sticks. I mean, don't don't, don't invest with those guys. No. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, when it came to oil, um, the discovery of oil, you, know, you got to think about the times when, you know, people were lighting. There was really no electricity. So they were looking for better ways to light things and, and combustion. And then once you found oil, then you started to be able to have motorized vehicles. And then it just compelled into this huge growth of, of, of really world, world power for the oil-rich countries. And today, you know, we have the petrodollar. And, and I'm sure every one of your listeners, you know, if they like the cryptocurrencies and the theories behind gold and all of those things, you know, oil funds the world. You know, we the petrodollar is the pure exchange mechanism pretty much for the U.S. dollar across the world. And, you know, that's changing. But mm -hmm. oil is a very, very powerful terminology. It's 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 it causes wars. It does a lot of things. Yeah. But, you know, we do believe, though, that the oil and gas market done correctly and clean and all of these pieces with good people can can be a very powerful investment vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, it does have its risk. Um, but it's a very fun and exciting business. Ups and downs, of course, but um, the, the history is just powerful. I mean, I'll go back to my great-great-grandfather, um, you know, in East Texas, one of the largest finds in, in Texas history was up in East Texas. And my, grand, my, my, my dad still gets a royalty check, not big, but he gets a royalty check from a well that was drilled, wells that were drilled. Had to have been 80, 80 years ago. Wow. So it's just pretty powerful how the oil business can continue to pay royalties and pay people from time to time. 
And uh, so it's a very exciting history behind the oil business. That's awesome. What? How about some of your partners? I know you mentioned the CEO and who you kind of joined up with. Who else is on the team is kind of at the top level and, and that you're working side by side with? Yeah, and, and part of the part of the exciting part, you know, I think that the you know law of attraction, if you believe in it or not, it mm-hmm. is it, it is. You know, you attract great people around a great idea, mm-hmm. and um, you know we've been able to build the team from when Michael, Philip, and Roger, who were the original co-founders, um, I came into the business um, to be able to be to help grow and build the market, get get the, the messaging out, and to grow the teams. And now we're you know we're really we've got six people on the team that are working focused every day. We've got you know four, three four people that are pretty significant you know players in the spaces of securities and oil and gas that are on our board. So uh, Michael and Philip are twins. Um, they're both uh, legal backgrounds. Um, they're both entrepreneurs. And uh, Philip is litigation. Michael's general counsel. So very attractive to me when I came onto the business because these guys take the law very seriously. Um, they make sure that what we are doing, uh, we abide by the rules. And that's been a big encouragement because these guys are incredible. I mean, they're smart, they're diligent, they focus. Um, so sometimes when you hear about the legal, you know, everybody goes, oh, attorneys. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this space, uh, you know, I wanted to partner with, with, with attorneys. I wanted, I knew that that would be critical because the cost to do these, these placements can be, can be big. And then from that point on, we've got, uh, you know, in the oil business, we needed some oil experts. And so Derek Hale um, has joined our team, 13 years of oil and gas. Uh, he's a landman. He knows the business. He knows the area. He has the relationships. Recent new hire is a gentleman by the name of Reed Stiles. Um, gentleman's got five years uh, working with ConocoPhillips as a reservoir engineer in the Permian Basin. Just graduated from Rice with his MBA, you know, top level. Um, then some of our advisors, Mark Duncan, um, who was with uh, some of the larger, um, you know, massive corporations, but has a, you know, under his tenure as a COO at one of the companies, you know, he's one of the largest fines in the Gulf of Mexico. Jeff Harder with, uh, with uh, Jackson Walker, uh, a very well-known securities attorney here in Texas and, and really across the country. So we brought together an incredible team of people um, to go out there and uh, to grow this business. And we're continuously adding. You know, we're always looking for new members of the team that have a passion for oil, gas. And really, I'll talk a little bit here in a section as we're kind of to segue, not just from oil and gas drilling and and investing in that world. We're actually moving into funding everything energy, going in and funding the energy business, because we believe that, you know, now is the time to not only own production, Mm -hmm. but to be a part of uh, be a part of the energy industry. I can't wait to talk more about that stuff. And I think when I think historically to investing in gas and oil, of course, just as a, an everyday investor, I think of buying petro stocks or any type of, of big uh, oil stocks. And I think what we're going to get into with this platform is we're allowing people to access oil and energy in a different way in much more of a crowdfunding way. And you mentioned some of the, the you know, one your grandfather who's still getting a royalty check on an oil field that was drilled however many years ago, 80 years ago. What are some of the other pros in investing in oil and gas and maybe some of the cons that go along with it? Sure. And I think with any investment, and I like to say this to everybody out there, the, the, the oil and gas investing is considered a very high risk investment. Mm-hmm. Part of what we do in our due diligence, because we don't just let people come and put projects on the website. We run them through a due diligence period and a process. Um, and so we've really gotten refined over the last few years. 
to making sure that, you know, the projects that we put up, that we've done the due diligence to at least give a better chance of success than not. But there are always the risk involved because you are drilling a hole in the ground, (laughs) sometimes really, really deep. You know, one of the ones we're working on right now is a 14,000 foot well. Um, You can imagine no matter how great you are and how good they are, things can happen. Uh, But, you know, here's some here's some amazing things about investing in oil. And for people that live in the United States, you know, uh, it gives you the ability to own mineral rights. Um, We are the only country in the world where the government does not control the production of oil. Owning minerals and owning oil is just as powerful as owning real estate, if not more. And in this country, America, you know, we are driven as a country to be energy independent. And so there are a lot of laws that have been written to allow the entrepreneur or the risk taker, the investor, to participate in these investments and take benefits. So in, if you are a U.S. in the United States, um, the, the, the IRS, which is you know, our tax provider, tax code, they allow you to write off 100% of what they call an intangible drilling cost in the year you make the investment. So basically, let's just use this for an example. You come on the platform and you invested in five projects. And in those five projects, the average intangible, what is intangible? It's the things you can't see. So it usually is about when you drill a well, it's about 70 to 80 percent of all of the cost are typically deemed intangible, mm-hmm. sometimes less, but intangible. The IRS says in that investment, that intangible drilling, you can write off 100 percent in the year you make the investment. So the wealthy in the country have been using the vehicle of oil and gas to offset their tax liability for, I mean, for forever. Hmm. It, well, really, 19, 1986 is when the Reagan Tax Act passed. So it really became a tax play heavily in 1986. And then so investors can write off the entire investment over seven years. So basically the statement is, is, you know, hey, take some of your tax liability. If you have a big tax liability, look at oil and gas investing to help you really truly offset that investment. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge pro because then, you know, in the oil business, you can have big type returns. You can also have little returns and you can also have no returns. So where the big value is on our platform, one of those things that people always say, well, what did you bring to the market that's so different? We allow an investor to come into the platform and put as little as $5,000 over more projects. And they're able to build that, that when we start talking about diversification, right? When you look at angel investing, angel investors talk about, hey, you need to have 20 investments and have them working. Well, my goodness, um, you know, if, if we all could put 50 grand in 20 deals, you know, it'd be, it'd be a great way, right? Uh, crowdfunding, especially equity crowdfunding, has allowed us to democratize this space, this investment, and put smaller increment investments over more projects. The investor gets the tax benefit. We pass that through to them based on how they they choose to invest. And that benefit becomes something they can use as a tax benefit. But also those investments can start paying um, out you know, on a monthly basis cash flow from either oil or from gas or from both. Now, the downside of the oil business, um, you know, has some challenges too. Just like a startup or just like any business, if you don't invest with the right people, um, you can be, you can be in a bad investment. Uh, I would say one of the most important things that someone can do is invest with somebody with a great track record. Um, so one of the things from our early days of launching, um, our thesis had changed is that, you know, it's not just the small operator anymore that needs the capital. The oil market has definitely been beat up. The oil and gas market, the whole energy sector is in that low cycle of the of really the commodity cycles. It's on the very, you know, the tail end of it. We think it's on the rise. 
But in that space, you've got to remember that it's important in any type of investment who you're investing in, and especially in these investments. And so we really spend a lot of time getting to know our investors or or, our operators and the projects that we bring to the table because we want to make sure that these people have track records and they've done some great things. Um, So the oil business, just like a startup, just like any other business, if you invest with the wrong people, you can lose your money. The other side of the investment that can be challenging sometimes is that even though you're, you're with the best people, um, they can still drill what we call a dry hole, meaning that they drill into the ground, no matter how much research they've done, how much, no matter how much they've tried, there still can be zero in the hole. So there's some, there is some, some risk in that, no matter how great the data is and how much we've researched, you still can drill a dry hole, Mm -hmm. which the investor then loses that investment and, but they get the tax benefit. And I imagine there's all different types of levels of risk depending on the the types of projects, right? So you could have a very much a discovery type of project where you're going out and drilling a land land that you're not exactly sure in. And then I'm sure there's more that are are less risk, less reward, where maybe you're re-drilling a hole that is open, you know, that, that, uh, oil's already been discovered in, or you're, you're doing some type of maybe value add, um, to a previous drill. I'm not exactly sure the terminology, but is that fair to say that there's different projects that are different risk levels? Uh, very true. And, and if you don't mind, let me kind of just, I, I had somebody that was probably my dad, who's an oil man. Um, he drew this picture for me just to see how it all kind of comes together. But if you think about it for a second and how my grandfather still gets a check, right? He's not my old grandfather didn't go out and my great great grandfather did not go out and drill the wells. My my great grandfather bought land in East Texas and an, an oil man, somebody that was a what we would call um, a prospector. Um, he said, "Hey, I want to come out. I want to drill on your land." So my great great grandfather says, "Okay, um, but what do I get? Right? It's my land. You're going to come out. You're going to tear it up. You're going to drill a hole in the ground. And there, I mean, there's got to be liability and all these things. So the they make a deal." So my grand, my great grandfather owns the land, and in that situation, he then sells the rights to the operator or the prospector to be able to drill. Some people call that the the he he took on the liability. So my grandfather, great great grandfather, he doesn't have any liabilities. He just gets a cut of the oil or gas that's produced every single month. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to pay for the expenses. He doesn't have to cover anything. Now, the operator, the prospector that drilled the wells, he then gets a thing called working interest. So the overall land value, all the land, 100% of the land, including my great-great-grandfather, is called net revenue interest. It's the, it's the whole piece of the pie. Then my grandfather sold out his working interest, which now the operator has 100% of the working interest. When an investor invests, they're buying a piece of that working interest. And when they buy into that working interest, they're responsible for the, their percentages or pro rata share of the expenses to drill, to complete, to add equipment when things break down. But they also get their percentage of the production that comes from that, that, that piece, that unit. And so when people have invested in the oil and gas space, you know, they, they don't necessarily know exactly what they're buying into, especially when you're talking about an oil and gas well. And so when an investor invests with us, what we allow them to do is typically get into three or four wells um, to buy into some production. This is this is stuff that's producing. And then it kind of segments out the risk levels. So I'll kind of go through that real quick here. Sure. You've got your straight up guy that's going to go out into the field with sticks and he's going to try to find oil. Those guys have always been called wildcatters, right? The people that went out and actually drilled the wells on my great grandfather's leases, 
Those were called wildcatters. Um, wildcatters are just drilling a hole based on some, some data and some facts where they think they are. And they're either going to hit or they're not going to hit. But if they hit, they've got a very, very good return. You're talking about 10x to 20x return, sometimes as high as 100x. Mm-hmm. And so you've heard of the, the bass family, Sid Richardson Bass. You've heard of uh, you know, T-Boom Pickens and all of these guys. These guys in their families had people that went out and wildcatted. And that's because like, big money. Yeah, and we're talking 80 yeah. years ago. I mean, that's proper prospecting, right? I mean, there was no technology that was doing radars of the ground and, and coming up with, with real data-driven metrics to figure out, hey, let's go, let's go try here. I mean, people were literally going out and just drilling a hole where it may have visually looked good. They, had, they literally had the old man with the sticks. And <laughs> when the sticks crossed... Uh, they said either it's water or oil, and sometimes water and oil are combined. Right, I mean, that's yeah. how they did it. Cool. So, uh, so these guys went out and wildcatted. Now, there's still wildcatters today. Um, they use um, seismic, 40 seismic. I mean, they got the, the, the kind of stuff they have today for wildcatting is amazing. In mm-hmm. fact, it, for those people that follow the industry, like Apache just had like a big find here in Texas, one of the largest oil finds ever. Well, they didn't drill down to find that. Um, they, they studied seismic and, and research and data and all that stuff. And they still, Hey, by the way, they still have dry holes. In fact, they say the stats of a wildcat well has about a 20% success ratio, hmm. but that 20% can have big, you know, big returns. Yeah. Now you kind of step down from the wildcat, right? So imagine in, in the United States for everybody listening, if you've seen a map of the United States, you know, your primary areas, if you got Texas, a lot of the South, right? And, and by the way, California, believe it or not, is a huge oil production state. But you've got this in the South, this whole trend of, of really all these oil wells. And you can imagine over these 80 years, you've had a lot of companies, Exxon, Chevron, all these guys going into these big fields and drilling and completing. And there's holes in the ground. So what do you do with the hole? Well, you got to fill the hole. And they call that plugging and abandoning the hole. Well, let's just say that it's not economic. And, you know, at a time for Exxon to produce this well that's doing 200 barrels a day. So Exxon plugs it and moves on. Well, 10 years later, you know, one of the guys is at the courthouse and he's looking at records and documents and he goes, holy cow, that lease has three wells that were that were doing 200 barrels a day and, and Exxon just plugged it. Why would they do that? Well, it wasn't economic for them at the time. And they don't really go back and, and go after 200 barrel a day wells. It doesn't make sense. Uh. So then that prospector calls us or calls a group and he says, okay, I'm going to go sign a new lease with that landholder and I'm going to get a new lease. I'm going to get the working interest and then I'm going to go out and raise the money to go back and re-enter the wells. Now, the nice thing about re-entries is, is that the most expensive cost in an in a, in a oil, oil, oil project or natural gas drilling project is the well. You got to drill, you got to put in this you know, thing they call casing and cement and all of these things. Now this operator can go back and re-enter the well. We have logs, we have data, we have history, we have all the above, and then they can do the work. Now, there's risk on those too, but they fall into a lower risk bucket. Then there's what they call reworks. So that one would be called a reentry. So an operator could come back and say, hey, we're going to reenter a couple wells on an old lease that we know that, you know, that, that this group was here, and that's going to give us some, some good returns. There's a lower expense ratio because we're not drilling the well. There is risk that maybe the equipment is old and that the casing could be could could have a hole in it and those things can be fixed. But the idea that is there oil, I mean, the the same the statement is the best place to find oil is in an oil patch where oil has already been. Right. So that's where a lot of these projects that we focus on are. And so when you start looking at the risk tier, right, you drop down. Now there's also a thing called a rework. 
where an operator just clearly runs out of capital or he has not enough capital to actually go back in and rework his wells. Uh, maybe it's an older piece of equipment that breaks down and the partners don't want to participate and he needs to go back out and raise more money and the investors can buy in on that rework or maybe the op- maybe the the guy is just ready to sell mm. and especially in today's market you know there's there's really good buying opportunities where guys are just like hey we've made as much money as we want we're ready to sell this mm-hmm. and then you would go in and buy the rework and in the and, and someone would go in on the rework and redo the pumping equipment rework the tubing uh, you know, do anything to fix it to get that production up. Um, sometimes re-stimulate, you know, all of these statements and words you'll hear. Um, but all basically they're trying to do is get it to produce more oil. Gotcha. And those, those all fall into the lower risk bucket. And then there's even the opportunity where someone can buy the mineral rights and the royalties. So think about my great-great-grandfather. Now my dad gets the royalty and it's split between four family members. And it's, mm-hmm. it's small. I mean, they get like a thousand bucks a month, but, but it's four grand, you know, for the family members. So my dad could have an opportunity to go to a guy and say, Hey, listen, I'm willing to sell this mineral because I just want upfront cash today. And someone would buy that and then go out to you as an investor and say, Hey, why don't you buy into this mineral? It's paid out for, you know, all these years. This is what it's paying out. Here's what it could be. And, you know, and someone could buy that mineral, right? And then, and there's an opportunity and, and at energy funders, we plan on bringing this to the platform is the ability for people to buy those. And they can buy those minerals and royalties and have those options. So those fall into somewhat of a lower risk bucket. Mm. So there's a lot of different tiers that, that that the oil and gas space can go in. And but each of those also dictate, you know, the type of returns that someone would, would could potentially get. Gotcha. It's making a lot more sense to me now. And I saw in your guys' company video that 85% of the energy produced in the USA is produced by small operators. And to me, that was a really just kind of eye-opening statistic because I would have thought that, you know, Exxon and Chevron would just control all this stuff top to bottom. But based on what you're just saying, I can see how a lot of small operators can, you know, can it, it can make economic sense for small operators where someone like Exxon wouldn't go after a, a hole that's just producing 200 barrels a day. Yeah, it, it was a shocking stat when we when when we ran across it. I mean, the fact is is that the independent small producers, um, and we call small look. I mean, there's small, there's medium, there's large, right? You're talking about Conoco and Phil. I mean, the big boys that are out there, um, they're not chasing anything under. I mean, they want a thousand barrel a day. Well, you know, they're not chasing much under there. And then it falls to your other tier, which is your mid tier, which are your hundred million dollar operators and above. And those guys are chasing also pretty good, you know, large returns. They've got bigger wells to go after deeper in the ground. And then you've got this whole bucket of guys that I just explained that would go out and, and maybe go back into a plugged well. And there's so many wells out there. And, um, you know, and with technology, um, they've got these what we call EORs, but these ERRs allow us to go in and, 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 and stimulate the wells in ways to get a lot of this production that's still in the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and allows it at a very low cost to go back and reenter and do these things. So a big portion of this production in the United States are these entrepreneurs, these operators, these independents that can go out and, and, and claim their stake, own their wells. The only challenge for them is, is that they need an efficient means to raise capital right. other than going to the country club or really the, the way that the business has always worked is they go to a guy called a promoter. And the promoter is really the broker and the promoter deals with the investors. The operator doesn't want to deal with investors. Be honest with you. These guys are technicians. You know, they, you know, most of their time is spent raising money because this is a very capital intensive business. So this promoter steps in and says, Hey, 
let me take this, let me take your project and I'll go out and sell it to investors. Hmm. What the problem is, is that by the time it gets to the investor, the promoters marked it up 30, 40%. And so in today's low low oil and gas priced market, if I take 30, 40% off of the amount you've invested, the, the likelihood that you get returns at 40 and $45 oil, man, it's, it takes you forever. Mm-hmm. So what we've done is we've removed the promoter. An operator can come to our platform. We can go through the due diligence and the process that we go through. We put it up on the platform. An investor can get into a deal. And Energy Funders doesn't take a fee on that capital raise. What we do is we get a carry in the fund, a small piece of the working interest, And so our business model is to own production. It's not to charge investors. And so the reason why people have flocked to our platform over the last three years, even as oil prices have collapsed, is because we are giving the investor a straight up deal. And we are acting and operating as the platform. And your your interests are aligned with the investors as well. If we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. And in real estate, we've had a bunch of the real estate crowdfunding platforms on here before, always a popular topic. The companies always talk about the importance of finding the best sponsors possible, and that helps them scale. And I imagine this category is the exact same, uh, finding good operators with good track records, and also kind of analyzing the deals, much like a crowdfunding for real estate platform would analyze the the real estate deal as well as the sponsor you're kind of looking at the risk levels of these of these different types of drilling um, reworking deals as well as looking at at the operators correct you're you're exactly right and and getting and working with operators that have great track records have they they've made it through the booms and busts they've been around um, you know that's a big big way to, that's how we do it mm-hmm. and I'll just I mean just just last uh, just last in June. Um, it was our first um, hundred million dollar operator that we all participated with, and what it what it broke through for us on the platform was is that it's just not the small guy that needs money. Um, you know, the the once we showed that our platform can work and that we can raise capital very efficiently, a lot of the big boys have asked us to come help and not help them, not that they can't, but they're giving us a seat at the table. Right. And so we we now have a we just inked a deal with another big uh, mid size um, operator that which we'll be rolling out and and it's 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 that opportunity for investors to be able to participate in the high levels, really at fractionalized prices and and so it, it it's a beautiful thing that happens and that's why I I'm such a proponent to what we're doing in equity crowdfunding it's it's more than just the investment today I know for the investor it's really about the investment today. But for us, the guys that are building these platforms and doing these things, it is – we are – I mean, it's the future. Mm-hmm. I mean, I truly believe that this is the way that capital will move into these smaller um, investments, um, even larger investments. But it, it really is changing the way that money moves, and it's powerful. Okay. And every time we do a project, it blows me away that like, wow, we just were able to do that in you know, two, three, four days. Mm-hmm. Um, which could take the average person, you know, many, many months to get done. So it's pretty exciting. Very, very exciting. I want to just touch base on the reworking. Uh, what do you call them? Deals, drills, holes, <laughs> offers. What, what do you What do you call the the deals that, you, that investors can fund? We call them projects. Okay, projects. Um, uh, better word. Yeah, just projects. Yeah. Okay. So the reworking projects are pretty interesting to me because it seems like it's it's a much more sure thing. It just comes down to historical data and you know basically calculations, right? So if you can look at the historical data of a previous project that was producing, say, two hundred 
barrels a day and you think you can use technology to stimulate that hole a little bit, you know what type of fixed cost it's going to uh, or sunk cost it's going to take to get that hole operational again. And then uh, I guess another big component is what's the price of oil today and what do you would you project the price of oil to be? But I would think you you can you can make it much more of a sure thing and it really just comes down to numbers. I, I you you're right in theory. In theory, that's exactly right. And by the way, on our platform, every one of our projects, we give the investors all the due diligence we did. So spreadsheets, documents, I mean, even, and we even do webinars before we launch the project Mm -hmm. with the operator so the investor can like hear the story. And I tell most people, I said, look, you know, listen to a couple of our webinars and you'll learn, you know, 80% of the oil business from an investor perspective just by going through our documents and things. But in the rework space, here's here's the downside. And I agree with you. I like reworks too. Um, you're also trading with somebody. So somebody says to you, hey, I'm trading you basically something that I didn't have or I didn't want to put any more money in. And you're taking that and going, okay, I'm going to invest in it and I'm going to do better than he did. Mm-hmm. So the people that you invest in, in the reworks, have to really know the business and so in that space, um, and, we, and we find them, trust me, um, in that space, these guys are the hardworking guys that are out there, guys and gals, usually, but, but it's mostly the guys that are out there. And they're the ones that are, that are operating and running it, and they're making it happen out there. Um, and so when you find those, those reworks and those things, you're right. It can be, it can be predictable, but things still happen. But yeah, it's definitely in the lower risk bucket for the investor. Uh, you're not going to come out of those with you know big, big, big payback returns. But for long term cash flow at a pretty good at a pretty good yield and with the tax benefits, yeah, they're pretty cool investments. Very cool. And as an investor joining energy funders, getting into the platinum, starting your first investments, how does it actually work? Are you going in and, and selecting deals, or are you investing more in say a fund that's going to be that's going to spread your investment out over multiple deals? Yeah. Um, so here's here's our philosophy. Because this is a very tough market right now, um, and it is a tough market. Um, you know, you're talking about volatility between fifty and forty dollars. Some people think oil is going to fall lower. Um, natural gas now is is having some real positive in in the United States. The the exporters we're exporting a lot of natural gas, especially here in South Texas. So there's some some pretty cool things happening too. So in this space, we've got to be very we we are very cognizant of not going out and putting up 50 projects and taking those big risks in regards to because remember we're getting paid out of this uh, when the projects succeed, not just by putting up projects. So we typically champion a project about every four to six weeks, and we put up one project, we do a webinar for that, and we give the investors an opportunity to participate um, into that project, and then we. We'll spit out another project um, a couple, you know, a couple weeks later. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been our methodology, and and the large part is kind of goes back to the quality of operator, who you're working with, uh, market timing, all of those things. And so we've been able to build over the last three years some really good operating relationships that we trust that are now starting to bring deals back to us, like they're they're now doing their second deal or their third deal, and so we're really really acquiring this portfolio of, of, of high quality operators and we our investors then can trust and rely on really the the track record of those investors over time on our platform. So we're not rushing to do a bunch of deals. Um, we're putting up deals, we're 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 getting them funded. And then what what people need to realize is that the long the, the projects when you fund them, right, you put your money in, can take six months before they actually start producing oil. 
or gas. So there's a lag in your investment. So it's not like you invest and boom, it's done. It's you invest and then you get updates from us on a weekly basis of what's occurring or sometimes on a biweekly basis. And then there's permits that get pulled and then there's this that gets done. And then we update the investors as every project goes on. And then when the project goes, it's drilled, then you hit some oil um, there's just a, there's a that's got to be so much fun, that, man. That's got to be so much fun. Like you invest and it's it like, hey, we hit oil. <laughs> yeah, we've got a project right now that you know that that had a very similar thing. So when you start looking at the 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 the, the energy sector, right, and the due diligence and, mm-hmm. and what's going on, why doesn't energy funders have 200 competitors like the real estate market has? Well, I mean, oil and energy is not hot. You know, people traditionally like to invest in things that are hot, right? And so what we've been doing is building a very good foundation and a base because like everything in every country, things are cyclical. Mm-hmm. The oil and gas business is cyclical. And we believe that we're having it heading into one of the largest um, commodity boom cycles that, that, that we think's coming and not to get too philosophical, but you know, um, real estate and, and those investments can only go as high as they can go. Right. Um, and then things start to find an equilibrium. And that equilibrium, you know, people talk about, well, why are oil prices so volatile? Well, it's, there's a tremendous amount of supply in the market. Mm. Uh, but if you follow our Twitter or any of our social media, you'll see I post all great articles about the industry. And there's a lot of guys that are saying that the actual usage from India and China and, and these different markets, the, 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 the amount of production oil that they're using will eat away the supply unless we get more people drilling, believe it or not. So that's kind of what the theory is right now, that it could be a year or two years from now. But then all of a sudden, when supply and demand flip, uh, it's not like you can just go turn on a, an oil rig out in the, in the Gulf of Mexico with like a switch. Right. You know, these things take years to come back online. Huh. And so you'll have this sur- surplus. Then there's 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 there is no surplus. And then all of a sudden, everybody goes back to work, but it takes years to get the production back to where it needs to be. Gotcha. So that's what's going on right now. And uh, and so that's what we see in the market. So we're building this base and this in this this platform today to really benefit you know investors to be able to say, hey, not only do I have some exposure in the stock market, not only do I have some 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 hedges or whatever some people want to have, but I can own the well directly. I can get the tax benefits and I can also have that cash flow coming into the house. Really nice. All right, Casey, take us through something that I'm sure everyone wants to hear, hitting oil. You get that email, we've hit oil. What are some of the returns that you can theoretically make through some of these investments? And maybe you could take us through an actual deal uh, that's gone through the platform before, what type of returns have been made. And I'm also curious to know if the returns are... You know, is that distributions? Does it come in a lump sum um, with principal returned? How does that all transpire? Yeah, perfect. Um, but I do want a, a big disclaimer here is that not every project that we've done has been successful. <laughs> Nor has anybody's. But I, I read them on websites saying that they're 100% perfect. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's not how it works in this business. Mm-hmm. This business is has high risk, high rewards. People can make their money back in six months on these projects. Mm-hmm. Is it likely? Um, some depends on the well, depends on the risk level that we go after, right? But then your pro- probability of production decreases some. Right. So there's there's always the risk to reward, and I always let investors know that you know what we look for, especially what we're looking for is it, let's just talk about oil right now, and then I'll touch on gas. In oil, we're looking for a return to our investors within 36 
36 to 40, you know, right around that three to four year period at today's prices. Mm -hmm. So what you'll find is when you go in and you look at a performer that we put together and we provide to our investment group, we do not speculate oil prices at 90. It, you know, we're not putting these future prices. We really want to look at the, the, the price of oil with a nice increase over the next 10 years. These wells can produce for 10 plus years. So when you start looking at the market in the area, we're not looking for a short, these are not short-term investments. These are investments that, you know, you're looking 10 years down the road and you're still getting a check, like my great-great-grandfather. Now, in that investment, though, we want to get to a place called your payback. Your payback is where you've recouped your initial investment. Now, we're not talking about tax benefits because those, when you put the tax benefits in there, you can you, you overall can go, wow, you know, I got a really nice juice there in those first couple of years. But when you look at just pure production and payback, if you can get into that three to four years at today's $45 oil price, then you'd consider that a very good investment, which at those returns, it'd be about a 20 to 25% re return. And that's not including the tax bin, the tax play. And we're not, we don't really sell the tax play. We let people know that there are tax benefits. We pass those to you, do your own calculation, talk to your CPA. Um, but that 20 to 25% return is a, is a, we would call a great, a, a good successful project. So we drilled, um, we raised money in 2015 um, for a, uh, it was only, it was 200, basically $185,000. Uh, it was for a, a three well um, recompletion. So um, there was a well up in, uh, in, 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 in uh, North Texas and um, it's in a town called Coleman. Um, and so it, Coleman has a lot of history, a lot of data. And we had a really good operator that's been around for a long time. Um, he's become a very good friend of our, of our company. And he had found a lease that he'd watched when Arco owned it back 20 years ago and, and, and all this. And there was a, what we call an offset well. So an offset well is a well that is producing, that is producing very close to where you want to drill. Okay. A good measure of that offsetting well is typically about a mile. But when you got it, the closer it is within a mile, the more likely you're going to, you're going to find oil, the closer you drill to something producing oil. I mean, it sounds basic, but mm -hmm. it, it really, it really can't be that because you have data. And so you can look at that and then you can look at, you know, other wells in the area and you can say, oh, look at this. And that's what the geologist does. And that's, and then the engineer argues with the geologist and that's why you have both of them in the process. So now you've got this well, this, this lease. And so we reviewed the data. We had our, our team of pros look at the information and the well that we wanted to re-enter, it was all re-entries. These wells had already been drilled. The well that we wanted to do, there was a, there was an offsetting well that had been producing pretty consistently for 20 years. So it was really almost a no-brainer to go back, re-enter the well, get it up, get it producing. And man, did it produce. We got it up. The gas is powerful. I mean, on our Facebook, you can go see kind of the, the, some of the stuff that, you know, the pictures and the images that we have. But it was a very, very great well, and it started to produce. Now, there was two other wells that we were going to re-enter and recomplete. Those two wells were not successful. So that happens from time to time. But it's been a pretty consistent return. Um, you're talking about, you know, you're in that 20 to 25 percent, even when gas prices were as lower than a dollar um, in 15. And in that, those, that scenario where it's produ uh, returning like 20, 25 percent, would you just keep drilling that indefinitely until it's empty? And then those returns continue on to the investor even be, even after the principal has been fully paid back? Yep. So so here's the the pros and the cons of the oil business. So. In this scenario, let's just say this one well, it's generating the 20, 25%. Um, energy funders, um, you know, collects that money from that operator 
and every month as it pays out. And then we dis- we make a distribution to the investor every quarter. And that investor gets a distribution. They get they get to see what we call a, a, a joint interest billing, which is the actual billing, the expenses. We all share in the expenses. We all share in all those costs. So in this example, we are currently right now, we did what we call a cash call. So last year, um, the well that was producing that 20 to 25% return, it got a hole in the casing. Okay. So all the investors that were receiving checks, we had to get them together and say, hey, guys, unfortunately, we're responsible for 50% of the expenses here and we don't have enough money to do it. So we all we need everybody to put in more money. So all those investors got together and within 10 days, we had all of our proportionate share of money. So now your returns have decreased, right? Because you now have to put in more money. They did the work to, to clean up the well and get it back. They got that well back into production. Um, next week, and it's been a little bit of time, but next week, the, one of the wells that we had tried to re-enter um, that was not successful, we are now go- we 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 found out we, the guys did the research. We spent some money to find out why that well wasn't successful, and now they're going back and they're going to do the work. Part of that money that we additional money we raised was to com- to recomplete one of the wells that were not successful. So in that whole turn, there's a chance that those investors that had put in additional money, even though they're that, that reco- they're, they're still getting their check from that one well, that if that second well, which we think there's a high probability that will get production, that that will increase the the overall return. So the investors put up some additional money to go back into a well and to fix the current well to protect their their checks. Mm-hmm. Now these this this well is gonna I mean this, these guys will get checks for ten plus years from this from this project. Awesome. It's not going away. Yeah. Yeah. And so now here's the other side of it. And here's you can call it a pro or con. They're inside of those those so if you imagine like a triangle, there's there's these three wells. Okay. The one well is a nice producer. The one well we're re-entering is up to the north of the triangle. Right smack dab in the middle, the, the the theory of oil and gas drilling would say that that well in the middle should be the best. Well, they haven't drilled out in that middle. And so the operator, once we get a couple of these wells online, wants to drill a new well in the middle. So then we'll go back to those investors and say, hey, guys, we have an opportunity to drill another well in the middle of your lease. And those investors will have the opportunity to invest more to drill another well, which then could overall juice, you know, obviously increase those returns. Mm-hmm. And, and get them production. So the investment, I, and really what I'm trying to say is, is that these investments are not just for one well. What we have, what we have done is really there's usually a lease. And once you have a productive well, which would become your offset for the next well, you then can drill pretty much, you know, 40 acre spacing from that well. And then you can continue drilling it and you should have similar success. It doesn't mean you're going to, but the, the, the probability of success increases as you drill offset to a productive well. So as an investor, like let's just say I, I come in as an accredited investor, invest, uh, but no previous knowledge of energy or oil or gas or anything like that. I'm responsible for essentially putting in the money, reading correspondence, and occasionally uh, basically these cash calls and or communicating with the, the the project whoever the operator is running the project for some of these things it's 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 basically passive but there are some things that you need to adhere to over the course of the duration of the project so the nice thing and just so you know each invest and I should have said this a minute ago so each investor is investing into a fund it is a special purpose vehicle in which energy we call it EFBC5 or EFBC6 or 10 or 12 that fund has a fund manager. 
And our, we make sure that our investors are communicated to. We make sure that we're communicating with them. We're talking to the operators. We're reviewing the joint interest billing. So really, the investor does not have to do anything except collect the checks, um, read the information. Um, you know, they get, they, 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 we really give them as much as we can to make it more of a passive investment. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really managing that relationship for them. Even to the point where like literally next, I think in two weeks, I'll be up in one, on one of the leases filming uh, one of the wells that's coming online here. Cool. Um, and so they, they have video. Well, you know, we, we, we really want to make it a fun experience. And then at the end of so and then at the end of each year, you'll get some type of, I would assume, some annual filings, paperwork for tax purposes. You get the you get a K one, mm-hmm. and that K one shows all the tax you know the tax you get the deductions, and it shows you the income that you've earned. Cool. And going back to the the cash call, couldn't would it be the case ever that the fund would just hold back money? So if there was a necessary cash call, the fund can just put in the the additional money uh, for money that hold back versus calling on investors to put in a kind of a pro rata share. That that has been in discussion mm-hmm. um, because you know the, the, in these wells, if if it's a ten year producer, um, you're going to have moments where there's going to be required more money. What what happens on the cash calls is typically within that first year when you need more money. Um, that's when you're you're heavily the fund carries back or can 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 carry back kind of a reserve mm-hmm. for that. But you know you you just don't you just never know what that number is going to be. Um, and so that's part of the risk of the business. Uh, right. These are capital intensive projects. And, you know, and you can also opt out, by the way. You could say, hey, I don't want to participate. And then there's a penalty. And so there's some things inside of a cash call that allows the investors that want to continue participating to get a, a nice juice on their return. Mm-hmm. And then basically that, you know, if, if I say, hey, look, you know, Sam doesn't want to participate. He's out his 10 grand. I can buy his his preferred investment. And then I can get up to a 300% return on that ah, 10K. Gotcha. And then and then new investor steps back in and then he still gets paid, you know, six years down. The, you know, let's just say it's three years down the road. Mm-hmm. Oil prices come back. He gets paid back. He steps back in even though he didn't participate in the cash call. Right. But Sam got 300% of his money for putting in the additional capital. Mm, I like it. I love this idea of these extended or even sometimes lifetime royalties we had on uh, – a company previously royalty exchange where you can buy music royalties and some of these royalties have been being, paying out for 50 years. I'm just, how nice would it be just to get that paycheck and know, and know it's coming in for, for such a long duration versus just like a 2% dividend and owning S and P uh, an S and P index fund. So these things are yeah, really, especially really if you cool. know, it's uh especially if you know, it's from Michael Jackson's, you yeah. know, you're like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like a little bit of an ego badge as well. Um, totally. So Casey, I mean, you seems like your family's been involved in energy or around energy for at least three generations. I and mean, what's your view of oil going into the future? Is it something that is going to be used as an energy resource for our lifetimes, for the next hundred years, for the next 200 years? Yeah, and I always want to preface this. I'm not an economist. Um, I have an accounting background, and I'm an entrepreneur. And uh, so these are just my opinions, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you know, this is a very cyclical business. Uh, it's a boom and bust business. Um, and so, it, it, oil, when oil booms, you want to be positioned in the right place in the right time. And when it busts, you want to have made sure you're out. Um, and and I, and I can say that for a lot of investments, right? It's not just oil, but traditionally, the money made in the energy sector is in um, times of growth um, in that in that in that up cycle. 
Um, we've been watching um, the the energy market since 2013 when we really when when Philip and Michael had really put the idea and the concept of energy funders together. Oil was at $120 a barrel. In in 14, when it dropped dramatically, you know, we saw that man, this is a great time for us to go into the market and create technology, really, you know, to build a platform that allows people to to participate and be here. Um, we see that the like I mentioned a minute ago, the supply and demand. What a lot of people don't realize is that when you shut down these wells, the time that it takes to put these wells back online, you can't just turn off a well and then come back and turn the well on six months later. It just doesn't work that way. So what you've seen is that, you know, call it what you want. You know, the Saudis, you know, push the, the shell producers out of the market, whatever you want to call it. We're in this in, in moment in time where oil prices are historically low. There's only been two or three other times that it, things have been this low you know, in, in, in this energy sector. And at other times they boom back very dramatically. We're talking about huge gains. And so we've been building the platform on the idea of finding good projects that produce at today's value that when we do have this uptick cycle, then, you know, investors are going to see the benefits of it. There's no guarantee, but we are bullish. Um, we really are. We think that in the next 12 to 24 months, there'll be some, you know, geopolitical and economic things. I mean, you can look at what's happening in Venezuela right now. You can look at all kinds of things that are happening in the world. And, and, and oil is a global uh, product. Mm-hmm. Now, people talk about it not being around in, in 2030 and, and 40. And, and Elon Musk is doing a fantastic job of coming out with I, – I'm, I'm so pro – um, renewable energy and clean tech and all of that stuff. Um, you know, we think that there, you know, energy is energy. Um, right now, though, there is not in mind in the next ten years in my mind that oil is going to go away and disappear. Um, there's just too much need for it in this world. And sometimes when people start thinking about how much it's used, um, a battery is not just going to solve it overnight. I hope it. I hope that we get to a place where you know, um, it, you know, what they call fossil fuels are not the the driver. We we all want to see that for our country and our world. But there's always going to be a demand, and there's always going to be a need for production. I think for the next ten to fifteen, twenty years, until all of this technology catches up and advances. Now, just to kind of tag here, you know, I think in the next hundred years. I think technology is going to replace a lot of things. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those believers. I believe uh, in clean tech. Like I said, I believe that there's a there's a better, cleaner way to produce these oil wells um, and and bring out gas. And uh, and there's so much brilliant technology. So one of the things we're rolling out next month is we're rolling out our regulation crowdfunding platform, which is going to allow non-accredited investors and accredited investors to participate in energy companies. We've got some incredible clean tech, energy tech. We've got um, oil field service companies and all kinds of stuff that reach out to us that are like, look, I need my money. I want to get out to work. Hey, I got some great contracts. You know, the, 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 in, my, in my side of the country, you know, energy starting to pick back up. And so for the first time, you know, like you could on a WeFunder or one of these other places, you invest in a startup, you're going to be able to come and invest in energy companies, the energy space, innovation. Um, you know, we're, we're here right here in Houston, Texas, and the Rice Alliance um, has an incredible amount of just mm-hmm. incredible energy entrepreneurs, some ideas that are phenomenal. And, um, you know, a lot of these get picked up by the large oil companies at some point. Um, so that platform will be available. We hope to be pushing it out September, October. Um, but then anybody can invest in energy. 
And, uh, and so it's going to be a pretty cool thing that's happening this year. And we think it's the perfect time for the energy sector. We've got to be very careful, right? Cause we can't predict the future, but we do think that we're at a time where we'll start seeing the upside of the oil and gas business in the next 12 to 24 months. Oh, can't wait to hear more about that. Casey, this has been a lot of fun. Great introduction to oil investing and what you guys are building over at energy funders as an alternative way to get access uh, to what I would suppose only insiders previously had access to. So I think it's, it's really cool what you guys are doing. Obviously, a great historical investment and something that continues to pay dividends and royalties for very many years. So we're looking forward to hearing more about your platform and how everyone can get involved. What's a good way for people to check out more information from you guys outside of energyfunders.com? Yeah, you know, we have we are we are active in social media. Uh, we have a great blog. Um, if you want to learn about how to's, we're we've got our, our reservoir engineers writing how to everything in oil and gas. And so how to discover oil, how to find it. And it's just incredible, incredible content and articles that we we put out fresh new content every single week. Um, white papers, books, we do webinars. Um, so, you know, even if you're just interested in learning, um, sign up on our blog, sign up, follow us on social social media, and you can see the content that we provide. We hope that it gives you that information that you need to kind of make get your IQ up in the space. Um, but I'll let people know is, is that, look, um, investing is investing. Um, there are some basic things you need to know about being an investor. Um, and there's also one of the things I always say is it's good to know what you're investing in and have a passion for it because then you get you excited. So that's why we provide so much content out there. And uh, again, it's very easy to get a hold of us. Um, go to energyfunders.com, sign up, uh, you'll get a phone call. And yeah, we'll look forward to getting to know everybody. And Sam, this is an incredible show. I'm really excited about being a part of it and appreciate you for reaching out to us. Appreciate that, Casey. Everyone wants to get out there and strike oil now and see that, that email come through and uh, that black gold for sure. Uh, listeners, check it out. Take a look at all the notes, everything in the show notes. We'll leave material for energy funders and Casey as well. Casey, thanks again for coming on, man. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Sam. I really appreciate it. Let's get the oil business, buddy. <laughs> Who's ready to go do some wildcatting? You know what? Actually, that actually sounds fun because I've been really looking for investments where I could put you know, just a, a little bit of my money, let's say 5% or less, into something that could just have a potential to pay off big. So I'm with you. The wildcatting stuff, we're talking 10 times to 100 times return. That's pretty sexy. But even more sexy than that, I think, is just the anticipation. So I think he said historically 20% of wildcatting projects actually hit oil. Mm -hmm. But imagine the anticipation. Like you invest, Let's say you invest in two or three wildcatting projects and you know like – estimated six six months duration to see if we actually hit it imagine like the suspense building up to that like what if you get that email like we hit oil you know i, th I think that'd be exciting I, I just watched that one what was that movie where, where it was who's that super handsome guy that not macaulay colkin but the other guy and oh, he's handsome though he's very handsome. he is handsome, so i'm sure but i think he something about gold and they he's like a he's like a gold prospector and he goes to um, he goes to Malaysia to, to find it. Did you watch that movie? No, I was thinking of Richie Rich, Macaulay Culkin, Big House, that the Biltmore, but nothing no. to do with gold or oil. Yeah. It's definitely not. Um, 
Definitely not Macaulay Culkin. It's, it's the other guy. And I, I, mean, I bet everyone's screaming right now saying it's, you know. <laughs> okay. That, whatever. So he but, found gold in Malaysia. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's about finding gold. You know, maybe, you know, it was just called gold. It's called gold and it was with um, Matthew McConaughey. That's the handsome guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very handsome as well. So the idea of wildcatting to me almost kind of reminds me of people going out to search for gold on the gold rush. And it's exciting. I can see there can be a lot of money made from it. But I also see that – I also think that it's one of those things where I tend to like more of the idea of re-drilling wells or you know having kind of a – I don't want to say guarantee, but having a better chance of knowing oil is there than the, than the wildcatting. And you know what they say about the gold rush back in the day, that more money was made selling pick forks and shovels than actually the gold. Yeah, so who knows? But you know, obviously, people are making money from from gold and oil. So the ability for us to jump in on that and get not only that tax deduction, I, th- I think that's amazing. I think that's mm-hmm. something that you know we can't write off a hundred percent or even seventy percent of buying stocks or bonds or any of these things. But I can see that this is almost kind of like I don't want to say a loophole, but I, c- I can see why you could write off the investment for for drilling because it's, you know, it's actually an expense. Yeah. So if you're going to make an investment in this stuff right now, what would you do, Johnny? Would you do something that is really risky, like the wildcatting, or would you do something more like the re the re-entry, the reworks? And I think there was a fourth one that we talked about. It was along the lines of mineral rights. Yeah, I, w- I would do one of those. Um, and I mean, I'd have to look into it more cause honestly, I, I don't know anything about, uh, oil and gas, uh, I would do something that has a higher chance of of a payoff. I like the idea of diversifying it and putting five thousand dollars into you know three different funds or four different funds instead of putting twenty thousand dollars into a single one, just because you never know when they're going to hit. I like the idea of getting you know up to twenty five percent returns for ten years or something crazy like that, even though after the, the principal is repaid. So this is something I'm definitely going to look into more. Um, but yeah. I'm also glad that he had talked about the future of clean energy, the future of um, alternatives to oil and gas, because part of me just kind of doesn't feel right about investing in gas because it's, it's almost like I don't want to put money into something that, that I don't want to be a big part of the future, even though I know it's going to be at least for the next 10, 20 years. It's almost like to, when we're talking about Yield Street with investing in the, the pre-litigation financing and stuff. I still haven't pulled the trigger on that as as good as it looks because I'm just like, eh, you know, it's good, but I just don't I don't like that about the US. This type of stuff, I think it was really cool to get Casey's opinion and also to to hear his principles and what he feels is good. Uh, but what we know now is almost all energy is running on oil in the US. Like if if oil went away, the whole US would shut down, food wouldn't move, there'd be no transportation. You know, in 10 years it might be different, but he, here and now Oil is definitely a thing in our lifetime. It'll probably still be big, and um, and I agree with you in, in principle. You know, clean energy definitely the way to go. Uh, I think this would be a cool thing. I think investing in some type of fund like this would be really really interesting to be on. You know, on the updates, just like a lot of things that we do. We get in the the updates. We invest and we learn so much just through these investments. Even if they're a thousand dollars, we learn a ton about it. This would be really really cool just to get it a deeper look into the inside of how oil and oil projects work. You know, what's funny is that it's actually the exact reason why I'm not investing with them is because I'm, <laughs> I'm getting enough updates already. My, my mailbox is full of 
interesting updates yeah. that I do want to learn about that I'm excited about. And I feel like this is going to be a whole new learning curve, a whole new way of doing due diligence and just understanding new terms and new terminology. And I just don't have room in my brain for it right now. Yeah. I think there will be a lot of people out there that are going to do this. Please share with us. I'm definitely thinking about it. I would do this before I did another real estate crowdfunding uh, investment. I'm kind of with you right now that we're just, I know we're both fully maxed out, especially on side work and side uh, projects that we're doing. But this is really, really cool. And I think what Casey and Energy Funders are doing is it's just a you know it's a great thing. We, we're big fans of crowdfunding. We're big big fans of bringing these investment classes to you know to everyday investors. So much respect for what they're doing. I hope they're very successful in this, and I hope people get out there and give it a shot and give us feedback on how it's going. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's cool that crowdfunding isn't just about you know small consumer products uh, anymore. There's, it's really going to be the future of an, of finance because. I think like why would these these companies spend all their time shopping around doing pitches when they can just throw up a campaign, make a, a video, people can watch the video at home, and small investors like us can you know put in five grand each, or bigger companies can just go through the same platform. Like like why go through all this trouble driving on offices, making appointments, just and to do your pitch live when they can just watch the video. Yeah, and one by one, it seems like this has come into almost every industry, all t- all different types of investments. This was definitely an alternative, alternative one. I didn't expect to see this coming. This was actually a recommendation from someone in the Boss Lounge, so shout out to that person. But it's it's great. It's it's really cool to see a very historical uh, asset class, gas and oil, something that we could only have access to previously, essentially through like MLPs or. Um, or just buying, you know, Chevron, Exxon stocks, maybe bonds. But other than that, um, we never have a chance to access that access this type of stuff unless we were insiders. So cool to see, and glad to be able to share it with everyone out there. So I, I don't think I've ever told anyone this, but I actually owned some Exxon stock for a while. Johnny. Yeah. And the reason why I bought it was one of my buddies, uh, the guy, the first guy that actually told me about index funds. Uh, he was really, really bullish on, on Exxon and I was so excited. I was like, okay, you know, I'll buy some as well. And I felt so bad owning it that I just like kind of sat on it for a while. And I think I bought it at something like, <clears throat> let's say 89 or something. And then it dropped like really like it, it, I don't know what it dropped to, but it dropped pretty low. It dropped to like 70 or something. And I was like, you know what? As soon as this goes back to 89, I'm just going to sell it because <clears throat> even if it goes up by a lot, I just feel bad owning this. So yeah. as soon as it went back up to what I bought it for, I, just, I didn't lose any, I didn't lose any money on it or anything, but I just, I just couldn't live with myself <clears throat> supporting this, you know, corporation, you know, and I don't want to call them an, an evil corporation because obviously we are using their services and we're using their products. Uh, so we rely on them and, you know, they are doing benefits, you know, in those ways, but I'm, I'm just thinking like this isn't something I, w- I want to support with my money. Right. Well, they pay really healthy yields. I'll tell you one other quick story. My buddy, another way to make money off oil. Uh, I don't know if you remember that that horrible, horrific BP spill that was in the Gulf of Mexico oh, God, maybe yeah. eight or nine years ago. My buddy had a had a restaurant that was on the coast and went out of business almost the exact same time as the spill, and they blamed a lot of it on 
you know, travel and the lack of tourism. Well, BP had to put together this huge fund because so many businesses like tourism companies and vacation rental companies of such, a lot of them went out of business because people stopped going there for like a year. And uh, he just got a he just got a payout for I think two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something. It wasn't the value of his business, but it certainly helped. Okay, well, I'm glad that at least it, you know they have to pay for it uh, because it like Texas already. I mean, and, and as a resident of Texas, even though Galveston was never that nice of a place, at least it was access to water, and now that's completely gone. So I I, I do think that you know the future of clean energy and, and not having. Um, the chance of having spills and, and, and things like that are going to be very important. And that's why I personally am not investing. I, I don't want to sound self-righteous or anything, but you know, it's kind of just like a, a personal, a personal thing. But the reason why I would invest in, um, in oil and gas is because it's not correlated to the, not directly correlated to the stock market or real estate. So I really like these alternative investments. So if any of you guys in the boss lounge know of any other, um, you know, modern investment companies that aren't directly related to stocks or real estate, we would love to hear about it. Yeah, definitely. And if any of you guys invest in energy funders, give us an update and chat it up in the boss lounge. Big thanks to Casey Minshew for coming on and sharing all the details of energy funders. We'll be sure to leave links in the show notes for all of your viewing pleasure. And big thank you to everyone who's been leaving these amazing five-star reviews of the podcast. This is why we can get big bosses on to the show. Uh, this week, I want to say thank you to VT Photos from the US. He says, learn like a boss, five stars. I discovered this podcast a few months back. Since then, it's become my favorite podcast on investing. I really like that I can learn about other forms of investing besides stocks and real estate. I recently decided to start with an episode one and listen to every episode. I'm learning so much. I will probably do this again and again to learn every bit of information I can out of each podcast. Keep up the good work. Veldon. I hope he still likes our voices after 66 episodes of binge listening. I also want to give a big shout out and acknowledgement to Sam Marks for putting up uh, with me being late on this podcast again. Uh, I, <laughs> I do. I, I appreciate the crap out of you, buddy. And I know the listeners do as well. You know, you taking the, the time to schedule and interview all these bosses. So big thank you, buddy. Well, thank you, buddy. And I had a chance to meet with Anthony, our podcast producer, Podcast Ninja, this morning for coffee at Rostretto. Had some nice chats, nice things to say about you, Johnny. He's always uh, super appreciative of uh, you know being part of Invest Like a Boss, and we're appreciative of him and uh, what he's done for our production. Yeah, definitely. So he's the one editing and making the podcast sound nice, and he was vital in helping us launch the podcast from day one. So big shout, shout out to Anthony. And also a uh, big thank you to our sponsor, FreshBooks. If you guys need cloud accounting software, if you want to have automatic invoice collection to make sure you get paid on time, go to freshbooks.com slash invest. And also tell them that Invest Like a Boss sent you. Thanks everyone and see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.